This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Oh, hey, guys. Hi. Oh, hi. I'm not in my room. Oh, hey. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And welcome back to the most litest radio show on this side of Harlem. And when I say on this side of Harlem, I mean on only this side that actually projects the show through our FM frequency. And if you have missed us, but you don't know who us is, I will let you know. It is Stanley Fritz. It is Jackie Cohn. It is Selena Hill. It is Alyssa Fuchs, who is not here because she is driving back from the Women's March in D.C., because she thought it would be smart to get some sleep and not come back the same day she traveled there, unlike yours truly. And we are getting ready to give you the most amazing radio show you have ever experienced. But before we do that, let's just talk some junk. Jackie, <laughs> I hate your shirt. I hate your No, I love your shirt. I know your you shirt do. is great. Yeah, oh, yeah, go ahead. So you hate yeah, my shirt, yeah, racist. Yeah, 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 no, that's a great shirt. In case you guys are wondering, my shirt says, does my blackness offend you? So she said she hated it. Right. That would mean it Can't did offend her. It because it's so good. You see that? It's so good. You, you've you inspired me to order some feminist sweatshirts. Does like my Juneness offend you? Does my, my feminism Juneness offend you? Does my feminism offend you? Yeah. There we go. But before we buy shirts, who are you? I am Jackie Cohen, political correspondent for the show. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter at Jackie Cohen, J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. Um, Stanley, you literally just came back from the Women's March. I did. And let me tell you something, guys. My uterus is on fire right now yeah. because that yeah. march was so much fun. No, in case you're wondering how to get in contact with me, guys, this is Stanley Fritz. And you can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz or you can find me on Instagram at Stan Fritz or on um, Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle. If you're wondering who was laughing like a maniac just now, it was your one. The only, the only person in here who is five foot, maybe one, but not really, doesn't drink alcohol, but always seems drunk. It was Selena Hill. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Stanley, for that wonderful introduction. I had to come back because... Jackie was getting a little anxiety ridden. She had a nightmare last week, last night, that Stanley and I left her in the studio all by herself. I and did. she said she woke up in a sweat. I did. It was <laughs> terrifying. I had a dream that Stanley got stuck, like, on the throughway coming back from the march. And Selena was like, Jackie, I have to go pick him up. You have to run the show. And I was like, I don't, I, uh, I can't. Right. That, that, that's hilarious. So thanks so. for not, thanks for being here. Yes. For, I was a little nervous until I got here this Aww. morning. That, uh, well, it's, it's going to be true. good. I'm back. We're all alive even though this is a Trump world now, surprisingly. As Stanley mentioned, my name is Selena Hill on Twitter and Instagram. That's Miss Selena Hill, and I spell that with an M-S and then S-E-L-E-N-A. Hill, H-I-L-L. So we have a great show lined up. We're going to start the show off talking about the world-renowned Women's March, a global movement that was all across, everywhere, Yesterday, oh, it was WNBA, January WNBA finals were yesterday. <laughs> no, the women's march yes, yes. that Stanley was Stanley was at the one in DC. So I don't watch the Lifetime channel. What are you talking about? That's why he said his uterus is on fire yeah. now. Oh yes, yes. Oh, that march. Yes. Okay, I forgot. Sorry, your yeah. uterus is woke. I was urine over your head, Selena. You were what? Urine over your head. Get it? Urine. Oh. I really good, don't get it. There was a sign that said <laughs> urine. President Trump urine over your head because of the P gate. Situation oh, in Russia. Yes. Okay. Selena has a, the humor of a two-year-old child, so <laughs> she doesn't understand most things. That is true. So we're going to start the show talking about that. And, of course, if you were at the march or are for the march or maybe even against the march, we want you to let your voice be heard. That means you should call us up at 212-650-6903. 
Stanley says 6903, just in case you didn't um, catch that because of his creepy voice. <laughs> you should also tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We have our wonderful intern, Astanet, who is taking the tweets. Are you okay, Selena? <laughs> yeah, what's going Yo, on? <laughs> I'm the one that what? did like 10 hours of driving in the last 24 hours. Why Aww. do you sound so exhausted? You're so brave. First of all, you weren't driving. You were sitting on a bus. Do you Big know how difference. uncomfortable that is? Yeah, we all know you don't no. drive, Stanley. Don't that, even try and, like, to... You can't even fart comfortably because other people might get mad. <laughs> so I, I don't... I took a bus to the March on Washington last Saturday, and it was oh. the best sleep I got in the, the one that no one went to. Yes, yeah. I was there. <laughs> well, Selena like, went. So. Yeah, and there were there were hundreds there were hundreds of thousands of people there. Were hundreds there were hundreds of people there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Later on in the show, we will be talking about the confirmation hearings and basically how horrible they have been. Um, I hope you guys have been watching. And if you haven't, we'll definitely keep you updated on who's been nominated and basically why the state of America will probably be in a state of crisis once they're all confirmed and Trump gets this ball rolling. So we'll talk about that. And then Stanley will be sharing his feelings. My very friendly, amiable feelings. On the (laughs) black artists, entertainers, and athletes who have been either aligning themselves with Donald Trump or just meeting with him in Trump Tower. Now, FYI, if you guys are not following us on Instagram at BeHerd underscore radio, you should. Stanley had an epic Instagram fight with a black Republican, who happens to be our friend, um, about what some people call black sellouts. Now, Stanley went in. He's going to express those feelings on air just without using profanity. Is that right? I didn't use profanity on Instagram. I don't understand. If people want to lick the boots of white people because it makes them feel good about themselves since they hate their blackness, why am I the mean one? (laughs) Well, when you put it like that. It's right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So, again, guys, if you want to let your voice be heard, you should call us up at 212 Six five zero six nine zero three. We're gonna go on quick break, but when we come back, we're gonna start talking about the women's march right here and let your voice be heard. That's how the young kids say. Yeah. Got it. So we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are wondering, that is called Addicted to My Ex. I'm addicted to this song. So I'll tell you the story, the story of how I got this song. On Friday, while hanging out with some friends, because I decided I would not go to sleep, my yeah. bus left for um, D.C. at 3.30 a.m. I had to be by Sylvia's by 3 a.m. Oh, my God. So we just got a whole bunch of whiskey and smoked hookah and drank and debated about music. And... My girlfriend, Marilyn, her best friend, put me on to this new artist called J. Will. So J. Will is this gay rapper who, um, he also has an alter ego called Candy. So he comes out, like, he dresses as drag and he raps as her. He's nasty. Like, yeah. he is one of the best new rappers I've seen so far. I was trying to find one of his songs to play this morning. I couldn't because they were all dirty. And I found this song. And I was like, this is so petty with just enough yeah. ratchet that it would work. And yeah, so that was how we got to that. But guys, we are not here to talk about how my petty searches got us a petty song. But I will tell you how my petty shirt almost made me petty famous yesterday. So guys, as you all know, yesterday on January 21st, a day after Donald Orange Face, I'm possibly a rapist, definitely an idiot. Trump was inaugurated as the first president of the United States to also have the reading level of a first grader. When that happened, and as he gave a speech that he stole half from Batman and Dark Knight Returns and half from a B-movie 2007, also written by Steve Bannon, the racist, 
While he was doing that, I was preparing to go to Washington, D.C. And what for? I was joining millions of women who had said, you know what? I am leaving the kitchen. I'm just kidding. That's not what they said. Yeah, that's they not what said, they said. They were fed up with all the sexism, the patriarchy, the racism, the Islamophobia, and they were going to stand up. So in Washington, D.C., I joined millions of other women across the U.S. and protested Donald Trump and stood up for women. And I was a part of a historic women's march and got to see some amazing speakers, including Angela Davis, Alicia Keys, Madonna, who pretty much just cursed for, for 10 minutes. It's awesome. Yeah, um, we cannot even repeat one word of what she said. Yeah, we literally <laughs> so cannot. You can't, you can't even play, play those it. clips. Yeah. I can't even put it on the the, po- the podcast playback because it's that vulgar. Yeah. SoundCloud will take it down. Yep. But I had a chance to, to witness this, and while this was happening, I became one of the people who was getting a lot of attention. And you won't believe why. It was a women's march, but a man was getting this much attention okay. because there were a good amount of guys there. Yeah. But not a lot. Not as much as at least I would expect living in my liberal bubble where people are not treated like animals because they don't have a penis or they are not white. So there weren't that many guys there and all the women who saw me kept thanking me. And it was really confusing because I'm like, what where else would I be right now? And it kinda culminated because I had on someone gave me a flower hat and I thought it looked like the Instagram filter that yeah. I like to use. And I also had a shirt that I wore last week Sunday, and it said "Petty Black Feminist." So I was getting a lot of attention. And one of the things that like that like really stood out to me was just like all the love and the energy and the positivity in the room. That's and great. after having like that great experience and being excited to share with all of you, I want us to have a nice deep conversation about the Women's March. Why were they marching? Who were they marching for? Are they saying that they hate men and want all men to die? Are they exactly. saying all lives matter? <laughs> um, why were there? 600,000 women in D.C. and 700,000 of them in L.A. marching, but then 63% of white women voted for Donald Trump. I mean, 53% of white women voted for Donald Trump. Why were these things happening? Does this march mean that they don't like Donald Trump, or is it just rejecting some of the sexist things he said while still supporting him? We will talk about all these things and more on this episode of Dragon Ball Z. So now, (laughs) just moving off from that, I know how I felt and what my experience was. I'd like to hear from you guys because I was in D.C. I think Jackie um, was in New York City and Selena, so were you. So starting with Selena, what was your experience in the march yesterday? So I wasn't in the march yesterday, unfortunately. Oh, oh had, you weren't, you weren't. No, no, I had family obligations. Oh, That's so you why. chose family over a march. Unfortunately. <gasps> how dare you. No, no, I'm so kidding. you hate women. No, <laughs> yeah. no, I went, like I said, I went to Washington, D.C. last week because I knew I wasn't going to be able to participate mm-hmm. in the, the march on Washington. But, of course, I'm still standing in solidarity. You know, I go to marches all the time, protests, demonstrations, and, you know, I'll probably be at the next. But from what I saw on Instagram and Twitter and even the coverage, it was amazing the fact that half a million people converged on at the national monument in washington dc the day after donald trump took office who basically gave a campaign speech during his inaugural address Mm -hmm. and used divisive politics and is extremely misogynistic and sexist and that's how he won the presidency so then you have you know all of these people converging on Washington, D.C., and all across the nation, and even the world, because there were a number of people demonstrating in Rome, in Australia, um, and in Europe. So I think that the feeling it gave me was hope. After I watched Donald Trump's very dark, very dark inauguration address, I felt doomed, and I really feel depressed. Like, every time I turn on the radio, and they're like, hey, he just signed legislation to roll back the Affordable Care Act. Wait, wait, you ha- you turned on your radio? Yeah, I actually listen to the radio. Who listens to the radio? <laughs> Probably people, people that listen to us. Thing? People are listening to us right now. Selena, I'm... people don't listen to us. 
anyway, that's the whole point of like going to the internet. Yeah. Well, okay. I sometimes I listen to the radio, or watch TV, or I go on the internet. But if regardless you, of if, it, if you quit the show, we would have a new listener. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I would make two. Um, Miss Deborah first, then it would be me. But anyway, so. Like I was trying to say, um, I started to feel hopeful. I started mm-hmm. to feel optimistic. And I think that the message that was sent yesterday to the Donald Trump administration was that we're going to we're here. Our voices are going to be heard and you're going to get this message. Now, will it affect the way he governs? That's another question that I would like to get to at, later on in the in the show. But we'll see. Yeah. Um. So I was I was actually not in New York City, home, um, but I was upstate New York and I was at like a solidarity event with family friends and my mother and my brother um, and my best friend Heather came up with me um, and it was really kind of amazing to be upstate in the town where I grew up. I grew up in a very conservative small town and even as I showed up Staten at this Island. event no, I mean there it's similar. I'm sure we have a lot of people that moved up from Staten Island um, and when I was on my way to this event, I passed plenty of Trump signs in people's front yards. I mean, it was like really stark to realize, like, this is where I'm from. And there are still people who feel the way I do about this new administration living amongst many, many Trump supporters. And it is easy to forget that in my liberal bubble in you know New York City. Um, but it was really great to be there and to talk with women and talk with older women that had very much a hand in raising me um, and get their perceptions on you know, where we have to be, but how far things have come. Um, and certainly they have not come far enough in regards to women's rights. But um, it was really empowering to be around these women and hear their stories and, you know, be together as one group. Um, but I have friends that attended marches all over the country. I, my boyfriend attended the march in New York City. Um, and I know that he felt very empowered by it and felt similar to what Stanley felt, that the energy was incredible. He called me right outside Trump Tower to tell me how things were going. And it was sort of like the most like energized I've heard him since the election. Like he felt very much like engaged and, you know, could see all these people that were there in support. And you can't ignore how incredible that is to be surrounded by all these people who are there with you, who want the same things that you do. You feel less alone. And I have friends that attended marches in L.A. and Philly, um, upstate New York. I had friends attending the march in Seneca Falls near Buffalo in Albany, New York. 7,000 people in Albany. I, th- I heard over 10,000. Yeah, which is amazing for and Albany. And 2,000 in Binghamton, New York. And 2,000 Syracuse, New York. I mean, the the you know there were major cities all over the world that were hosting these events, but there were smaller cities all throughout upstate New York, the Midwest that were holding solidarity events. I even saw there was an event, a solidarity solidarity event with the women researchers in Antarctica. So there was literally an event happening on every single continent. Wow, which is incredible to me. I mean, Amazing. yesterday was like nothing I think we've ever seen the three of us in our lifetimes, but certainly something for. You know, history. Donald Trump likes to make history and likes to be the biggest ever, right? Right. It seems like he's the most hated president ever. And this is just evidence of it. The fact that there are people coming out in droves all across the world right. says a lot. And I want to say that it just also reminds us that three million more people in the U.S. voted for Hillary Clinton. And I think that for a lot of us, we felt like our voices weren't heard because it's like we came out, we we voted, we made sure we had our family and friends come to the polls, we talked about it, we you know, we, we really pushed to get people out. But then somehow, some way, because of Russia and because of a lot of other factors like the FBI, you know, he won. And it's gerrymandering, like, electoral college, yeah. and also people staying home. Voter and, suppression. And something that I heard yesterday that I think is interesting to bring 
bring up is how many women do you think were there? I mean, we know that there were a lot of white women that voted that either stayed home or voted for Trump. And was there a contingency of people at this march yesterday that didn't vote? I don't know. Um, It's something interesting to think about. But, you know, this is the reality that we're living in right now as a Trump presidency. So, I mean, these women, if they did stay home at the, you know, on Election Day, if they're going to not stay home any longer, I guess better better late than never. Well, I'm getting a little tired of all this women talk. We have a man on the line who's oh, going to sh- let his good, voice good. be heard. Greg, let your voice be heard. Oh! Tarzan. No, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I I thought it was going to be a serious woman's leadership and setting some kind of agenda. Uh, I was looking forward to that. Um, but um, I heard nothing about uh, revamping the Democratic Party, um, getting out some of these old, stale ideas, and, you know, and, and I heard none of that. I really heard no, even uh, setting a third party. I heard none of that. That's what I was looking forward to, but, okay, it was not my march. And so they people had to vent about whatever they vented about. I, I, I mean, I don't I think that's it. even true. Oh, hold on. Can we just reference that Tarzan like call that he did? That's the only thing that I actually liked and agreed with. Thank well, you so much, yeah, Greg, yeah, yeah. for that. No, I, I, no. Can, can, I, can I complete my sentence? Go ahead, sure. Greg, finish up. Okay, uh, so, I mean, okay, I heard um, this, I forget her name, Ashley something and Madonna. Um, she was, as she was talking about she spent about 20 minutes about her, her, her P. I don't even want to say the word, you know, her administration, her bloody this, that, and the other. Not thinking that there might be five, six, seven year old young kids listening. You know, I mean, who, who was really expected to take any of that serious? I mean, I mean, for any other woman's march that comes up, I think these people were set out to sabotage it because there's many other people that really have serious ideas for moving forward with something. But there was, I heard nothing. There was millions of people globally, but there's no actual agenda. I, the Democratic, Democratic Party needs. I guess you were watching Fox News, and that was where you were getting your your coverage of the march. I mean, I had completely the opposite experience. Not only was there a call. Hey, Jackie, there, calm down, please. Calm down. Okay, thank you for reminding me, Sam. I know. I'm so sorry if I, you're being hysterical. I mean, That's I think right. that there were absolutely calls to restructure the Democratic Party. Um, Michael Moore came out and said, "We need a younger leadership. We need a women." led leadership in the Democratic Party if we want to advance anything and get anything done. Um, There were absolutely a platform being put forth by the Women's March and the organizers that included um, policies to ending violence against women, reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, workers' rights, civil rights. I mean, this is not disability rights. Um, There was a huge disability advocacy contingency at the March on Washington. Um, I don't know where you were watching it. I think maybe you were just like caught up in the signs of people in pictures. And I've heard this before from people on the right like oh like they're just so mad but what's their policy what are they calling for we're calling for all of these things and I think yesterday was super empowering and it wasn't about being polite right and I think that women get pigeonholed into oh well you know you have to be polite and compassionate and sensitive to the ears of men when you're going to march forward but certainly men have never been compassionate or polite when it comes to our issues and on the in regards to talking about menstruation like women menstruate this is an inevitability and i think <laughs> that you, if, this is a family show yeah we we bleed <laughs> 
some of us with with female reproductive organs, many women um, bleed and menstruate, and this is like a fact of our lives. Nasty and I think woman. it's something that we should be open and talking about yeah, because definitely. if men understood how it worked, maybe they would not feel so inclined to regulating it. I know exactly how the woman's body works. You make a sandwich and then you leave so I can play Madden. Oh, oh got my, it. Okay. My question to Greg would be if he was that offensive by some offended. of the offended, thank you, by some of the speakers using profanity, particularly Madonna who dropped the F bomb a couple times on CNN, were you and have you also been as vocal about the offense right. Donald Trump continues to make, especially just what uh, 12 years ago when he admitted to sexually assaulting women yeah. and grabbing them by their vaginas. Greg, does that not offend you that our president has admitted to sexually assaulting women? I mean, if you're saying I'm mad that these women are mad and using the F word, my question to you is what is wrong with you and what reality and world are you living in? Especially because, Greg, you've called into our show many times. Which and we appreciate, and, and by the we way. very much appreciate it. And we've covered that before. We've covered the sexual assault allegations um, of Donald Trump and I did not hear you calling in to be so angry about that so yeah and again guys if you want to let your voice be heard whether you feel like Greg and we're offended by the Women's March or if not you can call us up the number is 212-650-6903 so speaking of offense another thing that um Another group of people that were offended happened to be the pro, a lot of pro-life organizations and pro-life uh, women. Right, they were saying the organization. They were saying that they were not particularly asked to be a part of the organization, and they felt like they were excluded. Now they're women as well, and they disagree with the Trump minist- administration. Why couldn't they have been there Wait, who and vocal? Excluded? Pro-life, pro-life women, women and groups. Oh, screw them. Anyways, no, no, they, they were literally, because they tried to include everyone, we were out there for like four hours listening to speeches. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> so I you don't think a pro-life group should have well, been there? I don't really care about, well, let me not say I don't care about pro-lifers. I think you are entitled to your own opinion. However, you voted for Trump. You got your victory. Go march with someone else. We do have a caller on our line. Um, we have Nala, who wants to let her voice be heard, and she was also at the march. Nala, talk to us. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I went to the D.C. march. It was very, very interesting. It was my first march, first big march. Um, yeah, uh, it was overwhelming, I would say. Um, it was part of that. I was still in anxiety, seeing all folks. But it was the message was across. But then I was uncomfortable at some point because I was clear that I know white women voted for <laughs> Trump. So I was like questioning, like, well, what does that actually look like now that I see all these folks in this space, right? Uh, so that was a uh, one of the things that I questioned, but overall, it was it was something to reflect on, um, and I understand that we have to be in t- in- intentional and in being the interruption of the system of our oppressors. So, yeah, that's about it. Nala, hold on one second. Selena has a question for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, thank you so much for calling in and sharing your experience with us. So um, I want to get your take on the controversy that was happening with the pro-life groups because a lot of women... E- Despite what Stanley just said, they may be pro-life, but they didn't vote for Donald Trump. And they're also very concerned about affordable health care and education and a number of other things that seem to be going wrong now that he is in office. So, you know, as someone who was down there, do you think that it would have been a show of solidarity for the left and the right to come together in support to say, 
regardless of our political ideologies, we are protesting against Donald Trump. Where do you stand on that? I, I, I think that it's important that we come together in unity. And I think we have to understand that we're never going to agree on everything because we're humans, right? So that's important. But coming together for one message in terms of we understand that Donald Trump is not the president that we need is important. You know what I mean? But it, I could understand when we don't agree with one another how that can be triggering, you know? Thank you so much for that, Nala, and thank you also for calling into the show. So, guys, we do have to go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be having a conversation about some of these people who attended the march. Like Nala said, she was wondering, how many of you supported Trump? And I want to talk about that. If there were Trump supporters at this speech, how would you feel? What would you have said? We'll be right back after this brief message from the Black Barbie. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of men. <laughs> and if, <laughs> if you were wondering, we, we, were, go. we are talking about the Women's March and how lit it was and how we stood by with all of our sisters out there in these streets being nasty women and telling Trump that they can't grab their expletives. And we have a caller on the line. So yes. Lena, would you like to introduce the caller? Yes, oh, I would. You would, huh? I would. We actually have my cousin on the line, Crystal... Lewis Myers, or was Myers Lewis? I'm sorry, Crystal. But I, I wanted her sure to call in well. because I well, stop it. I wanted her to call in because she called me yesterday from the New York City march and said that she automatically just jumped up and went there, and it was the first time ever that she ever went to a demonstration. Thank you so much, Crystal, for calling in, and we definitely want to hear your perspective on that and what made you just say you know what i never went to a protest before but i'm going to this one oh absolutely uh november 9th <laughs> after the election results i mean it just spoke for itself um i was i've been glued to my television ever since then and the the political uprising that that that's that's bursting within me is just coming out in so many ways and this you know it all starts with action and um, that's where I am today. So yesterday morning when I got up and I realized that they were marching in New York City, I had assumed that it was only in D.C. But when I saw that it was in uh, um, Manhattan, I just jumped up down there and I, it just, I just had to go. Right. So I don't even think, I didn't even, the, the next railroad train I was on. And because it's just too important. And it's an investment in our future. So, mm -hmm. I right, um, Crystal. Um, so I, again, I'm I was so proud of you when you called me and told me that. But another thing you told me was kind of disturbing. Now, I think you may have called me when you had first got there. Um, you can um, explain, but you said you didn't see a lot of women of color, a lot of people of color. And I guess you know, as the march went on, you eventually saw more people of color. But you said black women weren't represented there. How did that make you feel, and, and were you surprised? Um, was I surprised? I'm, listen, we could have represented a little bit better than that. Um, when I got there, like I said, well, I was on the railroad. I'm, I live in Long Island, and on the Long Island Railroad, I didn't see any um, African-American women you know, that was on the, the train, and the trains were packed. Once I got down there to the rally, there were definitely more, but at the end of the day, we were totally un underrepresented. And if I had known, if I had a chance to prepare, um, I would have asked my children to take the day off. I would have asked my girlfriends. I would have definitely 
pushed because that representation was, to me, was really missing. And if you look at the videos and if you look at the sea of, of, of people that were there, there were more white people there, period, than black people. And I think that a woman's march in New York City, I think that we should have definitely been out there more. Well, Crystal, I want to push back on that just a little bit. Black women did march on November 8th to the polls where mm-hmm. they voted for Hillary Clinton. White women didn't, so they can march. Like, they, they can do all the marching. They should be doing all the marching because it was them and their trash cousins and aunties that voted for Trump, 53%. So w- were black men really needed for this? They did their job already. This is not a fight that is over. This is just beginning. And so I'm not saying that because, you know, uh, you know, we voted a few months ago that it is what it is. This is something that's ongoing. And all I'm saying is that I, I think that there could have been a, 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 a more emphasis. I didn't see much on Facebook about it. Everyone I spoke to said that they didn't hear much about it. But when I got there, I saw that people were definitely aware of it, but it just didn't reach a lot of African-American women. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you could read it however you want to. That's just my assessment. Thank you so much, Crystal. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, This is just the beginning, and I actually felt a little underwhelmed by that, too, because the fact of the matter is Trump's policies and the things that he is pushing for is going to disproportionately affect and hurt black women and people of color most. So I think that this is a time for people of color, black women especially, to come out in the droves and to participate um, and get, get involved when it comes to civic engagement. And pol- if we want our rights, I think that we should fight for them. So two things. One, black women and women of color organized the march. Yes, Two, white women need to show that they're about this cause and that they're ready to fight because of black women have done done it already with respect to crystal and what you, what you guys are saying but we we really need to be very clear about this white women gave trump the election along with their garbage white men they did that so it's not up to you to show face at this march it was jackie's job it was mm-hmm. our friend heather's job it was um, um Alyssa's job Alyssa's job speaking of Alyssa, we have Alyssa on the line oh, right. sure, of course yes and i'm sure she'll have some things to say about this as well so Alyssa, let your voice be heard Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? We're hey. good so far. Not as good as you, Alyssa. Yeah, I'm, Parking. I'm, calling in, I'm calling in from D.C. I also felt compelled to have to come down here. I will sort of disagree with that assessment a little. I saw a, a, a lot of women of color at the Washington, D.C. march. Uh, the march was basically put on by women of color. A lot of the speakers were women of color. I thought there was a really good showing of women of color down here in Washington. I obviously was not in New York, so I cannot speak to that. Um, in addition, I thought there was a lot of support from white women for people of color. In fact, at one point during the march, while we were actually marching, I was in a group of white women who began chanting, Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, matter you know, people of color's lives matter. So there was, to me at least from my perception in the, the march here in D.C., um, a very good showing by women of color and a very good showing by white women that support people of color. Uh, so that, at least, was my experience. Um, just to speak about the march real quickly as a whole, it was really inspiring. There were so many people when we first got there. We couldn't even get into Independence Avenue down towards the mall. Um, eventually, we did. There was actually so many people that originally they told us we were not going to be able to march, that they were not going to allow us to march to the White House because of the overwhelming number of people that were there. Eventually, they announced that we were going to march, and um, it was great. Once we did, 
we marched all the way from Independence Avenue to the Washington Monument and then eventually to the White House. And when we got to the White House, people had left their signs, and there were signs everywhere. I'm actually going to, when I get home, put up an album of photos on Politically Preposterous. So if you're interested in seeing any of those pictures, you should definitely check out Politically Preposterous sometime later tonight. But all in all, I thought it was a great march. I thought there was a great showing. And I think the most important thing we have to remember is we are not finished. This is just the beginning, and we have to keep turning up, and we have to keep fighting and keep organizing. Thank you so much for all of that, Alyssa. Guys, by the way, I will also be putting up photos on Facebook's fan page of me drinking last night. So if you want to see some. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, wait up for those. No, but that was, so those are two perspectives from the Women's March. And if you have one of your own, we would love to hear it. Our number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. If you have a comment on Facebook Live, we will definitely get to that as well. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio because we are all over the place and all of the time around that's what i had to say so i saw a very interesting sign at the march that i want to share with you guys and it was from a guy he was giving side eye and he said Alyssa got mad at the question guys yeah. so, and and he said hey friendly white women will you be at the next black lives matter march right i want to ask that question to you guys do you think they will be why or why not selena seems to be raising her hand she's slightly enthusiastic about this so i want to pick jackie no just kidding go ahead selena yeah. go okay ahead. this is what i have to say about this like I, it's it's such a nuanced question and it's complicated because if you understand who is most disenfranchised, it's women of color, right? Whether they're single moms, whether they're um, unemployed or underemployed or perhaps working three jobs and they just don't have the support to come down um, and support these marches, that's one thing. But on the other hand, I go to Black Lives Matter rallies and demonstrations and wh- who do I see there? White people okay they are these marches and rallies are dominated by white millennial people and i love it and i love them for it like it means so much to me to watch a white man scream out black lives matter like it just does so much good to my heart and it reassures me that humanity does exist in this evil evil world but i will say of course White women are going to be there because they've been there. Like the white liberal progressive women that go to these marches, they're there all the time, whether it's in Union Square, especially here in New York City. They're always there. I mean, I think that like a healthy amount of skepticism is good. And I think that there are two camps, right? There's like the group of people that think like, oh, there's going to be all these white women, especially that showed up for this march, whose lives are not as in, in much danger as women of colors and trans women's lies right um their rights aren't as threatened as the rights of other women and so there's this fear that there is going to be this tremendous amount of support from white women in this march and then they're going to go home and sort of comfortably like forget about what what took place yesterday um and then I think there's another camp that thinks, okay, this is just the beginning. There were millions of people that participated in these marches across the world yesterday. And this is a great opportunity to engage these women. I think there were many, many women, I know some personally, who attended marches yesterday that have never been. Will to they go to a Black Lives Matter rally? I Jackie? hope so. I mean, I will, right? But I go to Black Lives Matter rallies. I hope that women that have never been involved in, in sort of political discourse and activism like this before feel empowered. That is my hope. I think we'll see and I think that it's our role as people who are already like in tune with these communities are supporting people to come out um, in mass numbers like they haven't before maybe Um, I I am hopeful that we see a change and we see more and more women and white women taking this on as a responsibility and showing up for others Um, but I understand the skepticism and you know I think that it's okay to think that way and and 
you know, keep white women accountable. I will say this. It also depends on who's organizing it because I also went to the Million Man March that was organized by Minister Farrakhan back in 2015. And, of course, it was nothing but uh, black people there, obviously. And when I went to Reverend Al Sharpton's march in Washington, D.C. just last Saturday, of course, that was also dominated by people of color. So it depends on who's organizing the march. Something that, like the Women's March, which was organized by women of color, but had a sh- it really, really attracted a lot of white people and a lot of white women. Um, I don't know. It, it can go either way. It can go. E- it depends on who's organizing it. Um, it depends on who's being reached. As Crystal Caller pointed out, she said that she didn't hear too much about it right. in New York City. It just wasn't within her, I guess, her realm or her media network. So, you but know, I, that's a factor. I also think, though, like I said, that a big factor of it is feeling pressure, um, like feeling pressure on yourself and sort of feeling like the pain of what's coming. Right. And if you are a white woman and you're not feeling the same kind of pain that a woman of color or trans woman is feeling um, or trans woman of color is feeling and feeling that kind of fear of this new administration, if you're not feeling as threatened, it's easier to stay home and sort of ignore what's happening. And so I think that what's important for women, all women to remember is that it's important to advocate for yourself to show up at these things because your own rights are threatened no matter what, you know, as as all women, our rights are threatened under this new administration. So it's important to show up for yourself. It's also important to, in truly being a feminist, support other women, support women that don't have the same kinds of experiences that you do. Um, because if any woman's life is threatened by this new administration, all of ours are. And we need to, as a community of women, of diverse women, show up for one another because otherwise we're not never going to advance right as a whole guys if you again if you want to let your voice be heard about the women's march and moving forward what we can and should be doing you can call us up at 212-650-6903 again that is 212-650-6903 you can also tweet us at be heard underscore radio you can leave your comments on our Facebook live stream. Um, we are streaming live on definitely on Stanley's page as well as on WATR's page. Mm-hmm. Um, a- another thing that I definitely wanted to get to is where and how do we move forward, right? And within that conversation, one of the things that needs to be addressed is, yeah, millions of people came out across the world to protest Donald Trump and to fight for equality and women's rights. But is this going to affect the way Donald Trump governs? So a couple of things. While we were marching yesterday in Washington, D.C., and Chicago, and Ohio, and New York, and L.A., and Antarctica, Donald Trump's press secretary spent his time admonishing the media for giving out false, quote-unquote, false numbers about the inauguration turnout, saying that the media lied about it. So and, did Donald Trump himself. He had a yeah. press conference at the CIA headquarters with applause, which is very bizarre, um, yeah. where he said that he thinks... You know, nonchalantly, oh, there was a million, million and a half people that attended my inauguration yesterday. Yes, and then they lied and said that they put they put magnets on the floor to protect the grass. So that's if you're wondering what Donald Trump thinks about the the women's march, that's what he thinks about it. So he He's, hasn't made a statement about it. Not thinking about it. He's thinking about his penis size. I'm sorry, I mean the crowd size from the inauguration. Yeah. That, 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 that's what he's Which I think is about. sort of interesting, right? Because he is one, I mean, and there's a few things that he's stayed silent on this week, like the commutation of Chelsea Manning's um, sentence he really hasn't spoken out about. Um, he did not speak out about the Women's March. Well, and well, well here's the thing. What's, well, and I'm asking this to you guys, Stanley in particular, you were there. What's the point of marching? If it's not going to affect Donald Trump's oh. 
uh, the way he governs? Because Donald Trump is not going to be running the country. Mike Pence is, <laughs> and so is in, in the GOP Congress and Senate. So you need to be able to, like, they need to understand what they're up against. And let's be very clear. Donald Trump is a stupid unqualified piece of garbage but he's a president and the republicans have co-signed him and they know that there's only there's only so long before they have to suffer the consequences for this which is why it is important to let them know when those consequences come you are going to feel them and you're going to feel them hard and what they saw yesterday were those consequences coming the chickens will come home to roost and that's why you do that. Donald Trump is garbage. He'll be gone in two to four years. And like I said, there are millions of women that attended these marches, and there are many, many women that that showed up yesterday that have never been involved in a political action before. And so what I think that translates to is a, is a realistic view at in, of the next two years and you know a reasonable assumption that these women are going to start organizing, funding Democratic candidates and putting forth congressional candidates that are more aligned with their beliefs. And, you know, maybe in two years we don't have a President Trump anymore because we have a Congress that's that is majority Democratic and, and they impeach him. Yeah. So let's listen, guys, the future is female. Let's let's be real about that. Before I give my, my closing statements, I want to see if you guys had any last words before we moved on from here. I mean, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I think yesterday was an incredible day. I am so as a woman, I feel very empowered. It was very emotional and exhausting, but incredible. And, you know, I am so happy with what I saw yesterday, which was women showing up for other women. And I hope that we see that more and more. I hope that yesterday wasn't just a one time occurrence, but that we continue to see women showing up for other women and men showing up for women in the next you know, four years and beyond that for, for eternity. Thank I you very much, that. Jackie. And Selena, any last words for you? I've said everything. Selena, she is a woman of very few words. When she <laughs> says them, they're lit. I mean, that's not true, but <laughs> she said what she has to Selena's say. Selena's more personality than words. Think about it. What? That's, that's, that's nice. the biggest insult. It is? How? You have a big personality. So, but I don't have words. Are you trying to say I'm not articulate? Selena has the best words. Selena, Selena knows words. you have the biggest words, she the best words. No, I No, you don't? No, I don't have, like, I don't know what you're trying to say, Stanley. I wasn't trying to say But this is not the way to end the segment on the Women's March, all right? (laughs) Yeah, right. It's by disparaging the woman host of the show. Well, I mean, I think it is actually the way to end it. So, Selena just got upset with me because I said she was a woman of very few words. And, yeah, I said that. You know why I said that? Because as far as we have come with this march, there are still men who think like that. There are still men who saw millions of women all over the country go out there and say, you will not take our rights. You will not come out to our allies. You will not take advantage of the Constitution and pretty much destroy everything we fought for. And they did all that, and there was still a man somewhere like, hmm, that woman doesn't talk well. Or, hmm, why is she talking about her period? Or, hmm, why is this woman so loud? Because that's all that he can see. All he can see is that Selena said a few things, but he doesn't care what she said. He just cares that maybe that she's wearing a black cardigan instead of she was talking about the institution of racism and sexism being the biggest sins of this country's history. And maybe Jackie said that we need to stand by our allies in the Black Lives Matter movement. But he said, hmm, why is she wearing glasses? She looked much more attractive with contacts. Because unfortunately, as hard as women work, as smart as they are, as long as they've marched, as long as they have been the leaders of every movement, that's right, every single movement, the civil rights movement, Fannie Lou Hamer. Let's talk about it. We have so many great women leaders out here. As long as they've done that, for some reason, men have found a way to bring it back on themselves or find a flaw in that woman, i.e. me with Selena. And that is, that is America's biggest flaw. But we have hope. 
And what gives me hope? Well, while you two were having this conversation, I got a call from a wonderful woman, and her name is Miss Rochelle Herbert. And she is a 70-year-old woman who was born and raised in Harlem. She has lived here her whole life. She has marched with the best of them. She has shouted out with the rest of them. When it was too cold to walk, she put those peppers in their feet to keep them warm, and she made sure she stood tall. And she was not out there yesterday in that women's march because, you know what, it just wasn't for her, but she is with us. She is 70 years old. She has fought forever. And she has been in this battle, and she's with us. She sees our passion, she sees how much we care, and she supports that, and she loves that, which tells me that we are on the right side of history because Miss Rochelle Hubbard is not a woman who does not know things. She is a very smart woman, and she sees the truth. And no matter how messy it may seem, no matter how many obstacles you run into, no matter what any man says or tries to do in order to shut down the light of the amazing women of the world, we will win. Because as long as we have Miss Rochelle Herberts and Selena's and Jackie's and Natasha Williams and Carmen Perez's and Tamika Maori's and all these amazing women out here in the world making a change and fighting and cursing like Madonna, there is no way that we could ever possibly lose. And one day we'll look up and somebody will say who runs the world. And of course, the answer will be girls. We'll be right back, guys, after this quick break. All right, guys, okay. we are finally back from Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we finished the conversation about the Women's March. It was the first Women's March of the year. There will be plenty more, just like there will be plenty more actions. And the people that had this conversation were, of course, your Shirley Stanley, Cat Daddy, Good Hair Fritz. And, of course, Lena Hill with the black card again, running the streets again with her crew in them. And, of course, Jackie, mother-loving Cohen with the popping glasses, the big mic and the long hair, her hair glossy and shiny. Why? Because she used coconut oil like you should too and of course we got Ashna on the internet with a shiny computer set and a glasses on Zek do you know why because she's from the BX the birth of hip hop Yes. And this is the news roundup where we talk about our favorite news stories throughout the week. Things that made you laugh, cry, curse, flip a table, maybe slap a chair on the floor, then pick it up because your mother said you better not be breaking nothing in this house. But either way, we want you guys to be talking and sharing. So if you have something to say, give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. And just before we begin, well, I'm going to begin, but I want to start it off. And um, so a new segment I would like to call This Week and Give Trump a Chance. Oh, my goodness. Stop it. <laughs> oh I my love God. it. I've seen that. I've seen people like, can't you just give him a chance? Like, yeah. why is everyone so angry at him? <laughs> yes. Just give him a chance. It's like he put in an executive action. Like, how many hours after he was inaugurated? Three. That would, like, destroy the ACA. and Affordable Care Act. Ugh. <sighs> Yeah, so this we can give Trump a chance. Like, as well as that, Donald Trump canceled an executive order that President Obama had, which were keeping the prices of loans down. Yep. So if you're a homeowner, your mortgage is about to go up. And if you were looking to buy a house, it just got a little bit harder because Donald Trump right. has suspended that. So, like, here's the thing about that. During his inaugural address, um, he was saying that I'm going to help forgotten America. And he tried to appeal to, like, working class and, and the middle class. But yet one of the first things you do as president is you hurt the chances of somebody who is within the working class to own a home. And I'm just like, how is this not going to backfire in his face 
I mean, and, and I guess the question I would pose for you is that are people just voting with their racist hearts and yes. don't even care about their pockets? Yes, because, yes, racists are generally stupider than the average person. And I'm not just saying that because I'm being slanderous. It's because it's true. And racist white men who usually have smaller penises also have <laughs> even smaller <laughs> IQs. So what they do is they vote with their penises. Small votes. Well, I love, I mean, there was that, that back and forth after the election, like, oh, these are pocketbook issues, right? This is solely economic. Don't bring race into it. People are voting because of for financial economic reasons and time and time again we are able to prove that no right like people vote against their own economic interests right and so what how do you explain that how do you explain that I don't, how do you explain it, Jackie? I, I don't think that is the sole reason that is getting people out to the polls. I think that people are xenophobic and racist and afraid. And they and are sexist. more concerned about immigrants coming into this country and taking their jobs or black people moving into their communities and less concerned with being able to afford a home or have access to affordable health care. Well, let's also do one more thing. Sorry about that, guys. I have a bit of a cold if you can hear it in my voice. The, the black men that voted for Donald Trump are sexist. And no, let's be very clear about this because I think about 9% of, of black people voted for Donald eight. Trump. 8%, thank you very much. And of that 8, about 80% of those were black men. Do you know why? What's wrong? Did I get the number wrong? No, no, go ahead. Oh, do you know why? Because they, they cannot handle the idea of a woman running the country. They are afraid. It intimidates them. So what do they do instead? Because these men also have not learned to develop their emotions past rage and binge drinking, is they criticize and they find flaws. And instead of just saying, hey, I'm intimidated by this woman who is much smarter, works much harder, and is way more qualified to do anything than me, even take my job at Arby's because that's pretty much all I'm doing anyway, I had to vote for the guy who's racist. Well, see, and I had conversations with some of those black men like that. Who also want your number and call you beloved and probably think you should stay in the house and not be working. <laughs> I don't know I about the, not, not on number three. Number mm-hmm. one and two, yes. Oh, but <laughs> You got to buy them PlayStation games for them. You're right. <laughs> anyway, but so basically they were saying, like, you know, they were voting against Hillary Clinton because they just didn't like her. We know for a fact that she didn't have as large of appeal, especially to millennials, right. as Bernie Sanders. And we also know that historically both candidates uh, in the presidential election were disliked and unfavored more than any other than any other time that we've had a presidential race. So people just... they. This is what they said. We just didn't like her. Selena, that's about as legitimate as a condom with holes poked into it. If you ask them, dig deeper, why don't you like Hillary? That's the best. That's the I did ask, ask them that. And they'll, they'll, stand behold, they'll say super predators. And then you'll say, well, you know, that was a language from most politicians. It wasn't just Hillary Clinton saying this. Al Sharpton said this. Jesse right, Jackson said right. this. Bernie Sanders said this. And they'll be like, oh, well, they apologize. No, they didn't. <laughs> and then you'll say... Joe Biden wrote the crime bill, and he's the one that really has a lot of the issues in the like, civil forfeitures, which we talked about on the yep. show before. Check it out in our archives. Joe Biden did that. And I'll go, yeah, but like I like him more. And yes. I won't have an answer because sexism. It always comes down to, I just don't like her face. Yeah. <laughs> or like, she, she just wants it so much. Yeah. Like, listen, if we're going to call out knuckle-dragging small penis white men for voting for racism, let's call out knuckle-dragging small penis black men for voting on sexism. Let's call a spade a spade. Well, if you are a black man who did not vote at all or who voted for Donald Trump, we would love to hear your take on that. You can call us up at 212-650-6903. I bet you it's the same black man that thinks that it's okay to have Viagra, but is mad at a woman who wants to get reproductive rights. It's the same person. They fit into that same stereotype of corny white man. So let's be very clear about this. It's just just that they have a slavery mentality. And if you think I slander white voters for Trump, don't let me get started on black voters. Oh, no, you do. No, Stanley goes 
ab- he will take your head off if you are a black voter for Trump, but you are still welcome to call in. <laughs> and get, yeah, try me. You are st- so you dare. Speaking of Donald Trump, um, so it has finally been confirmed that his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, who is also married to Ivanka Trump, has been cleared um, to serve as his advisor. Now, we know that national in the beginning... National Security Advisor. Right, National Security Advisor, despite the fact that him and his family just are involved in real estate, and that's what he was doing all his life. Now, he will be advising our president. In the beginning, we thought that this wasn't going to happen because of nepotism laws, but apparently they, they found a way to... They don't apply. Um, they found a way to skirt around it. Do you know why? I think that it, there's a difference between... There's some, like, provision... Oh, Alyssa would have is probably listening and like, oh, I know the answer. Um, But there's like uh, an exception in executive offices that would allow Donald Trump to bring in Jared Kushner that doesn't apply to other branches of the first lady Because secondly, the first lady is a paid worker and you wouldn't say that's nepotism. Right, 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 right. uh, Also, when they asked Donald Trump what does um, Jared Kushner know about the Middle East, he said he has a lot of experience because he's Jewish. Stop. (sighs) Yeah, that's actually what he said. Jackie, you could have applied. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. I should be well, she's the a national security. Yeah, but, right, should. but my woman brain would keep me from doing it. I mean, let me tell you something. As an American Jew, I cannot claim my Jewish identity at all to to speak for what is happening in the Middle East. And I think that's extremely problematic and also very indicative of the policies, the sort of anti um, Palestinian justice, like anti two state solution policies that Donald Trump will be putting forward. And I'm so, as a Jew, I'm so uncomfortable and horrified that I, I know what our president is going to do and he's going to enact these very troubling, problematic policies um, and use his, his Jewish son in law as like a license to do so. And that is disgusting to me. It is. It, 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 it's horrible. But I mean, everything about Trump. Appears to be yeah. disgusting, and he's still president. Well, speaking of like religious leaders, and uh, oh, by the way, before we actually move on from Jared Kushner, do you know his brother attended the march yesterday? No yes. way. Hey, Jacob Kushner is his brother's name, and he's he came out. I guess it was publicly known that he was not in support of Donald Trump's campaign, and people spotted him at attending the march yesterday. And he said that he was there as an observer. He didn't say like, "Yes, I'm here," like against like vehemently against this administration or anything but he did march in the middle yeah he was there that that speaks volumes we don't you don't even need to answer the fact that you were there in washington at the women's march that says it all he was in it i have some breaking news yes stacy dash has been fired by fox news since the trump is president they don't need a token black person anymore (laughs) is that true yes oh wow stacy dash go apply for bet so they can curve you and live stream it so we can watch yes good riddance Wow. Anyway, so another news story that I read this morning that I thought was really interesting was that Pope Francis was interviewed by a Spanish newspaper during the inauguration of Donald Trump this week. And he warned against populist presidents and populist candidates. And he said that the case of Germany is classic. Um, He said that, you know, Hitler did not, quote unquote, steal power. He was elected by his people and then he destroyed his people. And I think that this is incredible coming from the Pope um, to warn against you know, populist candidates. And I mean, we're not just seeing this in the United States. We're seeing the rise of populist alt-right candidates across Europe. So this is increasingly a problem. He did say that it was too early to pass judgment on Trump. He said, let's see, let's see what he does and then we'll evaluate. And I think that he kind of had to say that right as this, as this powerful leader of the Catholic church. But I do think that it was sort of like, I mean, the fact that he gave this interview and said that and sort of compared populism and, you know, 
and created this huge tie to what's happening in the United States to Nazi Germany right when Donald Trump was being inaugurated, I think speaks volumes. Oh, no, that definitely does. Kudos for to the Pope for yeah. speaking out against Donald Trump, even though it was a little convoluted. We get the message loud and clear. You no, know, I think one thing that we should definitely be appreciative of is the Pope and his willingness yes. to speak out against hatred and racism. One of the things Dr. King said was that it is just not a thing you do, but it is the moral and religious responsibility of clergy members and leaders to speak out about injustice. And this Pope has been so great about that. Honestly, if we had another Pope, the previous Pope, I don't think you'd be hearing this kind of talk because they were very no, complicit in this. Because the previous Pope was a Nazi youth. So I don't yeah. think he would be making those parallels to Nazi Germany. Yes, there's also that. Um, yeah. That small thing. But guys, I want to get away from the sad stuff. So who in here watches the show Blackish? Raise your hands. <laughs> and so, am I the, so I guess I'm the only one in the room that watches Blackish. But um, so Yara Shahidi, who plays the daughter in Blackish, a 16 year old daughter, they're talking about giving her own spinoff for comedy. Oh yes, I heard about it. So this is this is so like. First of all, I love Blackish. If you haven't watched it, please check it out. It is a, it is an amazing show. But in also, you were originally against it, FYI. I was, and then I watched the first episode and I said, "This is hilarious. Yeah. Why? Why was I against this? I think I got sucked into that protest culture of everything." Right. But, sure. But um, this is a really great show, and they're going to do a spinoff of her going to college, which is so just kind of reminiscent of the Cosby show era, um, post, you know, Molly's and Quaalude days, but um, pre those days. But when um, when he her daughter went to college and they had the spinoff, and this could be the next different world, yep. which yeah. would be really cool. So for those of you guys who don't know, a different world was originally a spinoff of the Cosby show and turned into its own thing just about campus life for black students at an HBCU. Very good show. Well, I would say this. Uh, um. As much as I love the idea of it, a lot of people are saying, like, they don't want it to really touch into, like, a different world, like, really get into it because A Different World was such an iconic show. They want to leave it there. Like, that's why we don't have a spinoff of A Different World, like, a directly. No. We need another Oh, you would world. like that. Abso are you kidding me? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. A different. If you haven't watched that show, it's available on Netflix and Hulu. You should buy the DVDs. It's yeah, amazing. It's, it's an amazing show. And. They they talked about it. They talked about rape culture. They talked about HIV before anybody yeah. else. They talked about the Rodney King riots. Yeah. They showed both sides of it. That that was amazing writing, and that's the kind of show with black faces that you need to see on TV right now. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So yeah, that's definitely something positive. And um, when it comes to pop culture and culture, I think that we've definitely been shifting towards um, a dynamic where we see like where black culture and black people are are being. Um, definitely in the spotlight and getting the the credit that they need and that they um deserve when it comes to different shows um and things of that nature and guys if you do want to let your voice be heard you can call us up at 212-650-6903 again the number is 212-650-6903 i did want to mention something that i didn't get a chance to talk about during the first segment about the women's march and it was the fact that um Originally, the organizers wanted to call it like when they was first coming to when it first came to fruition, like a woman in Hawaii was like, I think we should have a women's march. And she made that decision the day after either the day of or the day after Donald Trump won the election. And they were going to call it the Million Women's March. Right. But it just so happens that black women actually had a Millions Women March back in the 90s. And they had phenomenal speakers there like um, Shirley Chrism and Jada Pinkett and a number of Brother other Scott. right and a number of other women who came out and spoke at this march and I was like you know what 
this is exactly why women of color, particularly black women, are needed in these spaces yeah. because it was almost going to be co-opted right. and erased from history like it never happened. And right. that's when they brought in Carmen Perez, Linda Sarsour, right. Tamika Mari, yes. Natasha Williams. Um, they brought them in as co-organizers of the Winds March. So... I mean, that was one of the pluses that we got out of that. And right. shout out to all of them, especially Natasha, who's a friend of the show. Natasha and Carmen, they're definitely friends of the show. Tamika Mari, who's a friend of the show. Yeah, and look at how incredible yesterday was. And I think that just is like, in practice, it just goes to prove that when you create these diverse spaces, you create something even more powerful and incredible than if you were to be exclusionary. I mean, then it's it's never going to be, what you're working towards is never going to be as just or as incredible as, as something that, is inclusive in that way no no you're absolutely right and and that's why i think that it's important for us especially in this current political climate to continue to work together and to continue to amplify the voices who are going to be most heard and affected by the trump administration if they do continue to push forward on these policies of uh, rolling back the affordable care act and daca and all these other things which are hurting women of color so on that note we do have to go on a quick break but don't go anywhere when we come back we're going to talk about the confirmation hearings right here on let your voice be heard but i'm both right now and i need you in my life around schools uh, i think that's best left to locales and states to decide if if the underlying question is um you can't say that you can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. If President and we are back. <laughs> this is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM. You seem annoyed. Do you want to get a the gun? The voice of Harlem. <laughs> Yeah, to shoot grizzly bears. Um, okay, so we're back again. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz, Jackie Cohen, our wonderful intern, Asanet, And Alyssa Fuchs is not here because she was in the Women's March yesterday, and she's traveling back. What you just heard was a clip from Betsy DeVos from her confirmation hearing. We know that Donald Trump has nominated her to be the secretary of education. The fact that despite the fact that she's a billionaire investor who has donated, I think her and her family donated about $250 million to Republicans statewide and also to Republicans um, causes. She's also a conservative activist. Um, she's also a, a philanthropist. She's also someone who's never taken out a student loan. She's or never sent had a child to a public school, right? Or, or never had a public school, or had a Pell grant, or whoever contributed or needed financial aid. Why? Because she's that wealthy and that privileged. And the fact of the matter is, she's been donating to Republicans, especially like in Michigan, to bus unions, especially teachers unions. Why? Because teachers unions use usually donate to Democrats, so it's all a big ploy. So she, this is the woman that was elected to become education sec secretary. Now, she was grilled by senators, especially like Senators um, Bernie Sanders Al and Franken. Al Franken, Elizabeth, on her. Elizabeth Warren, a number of senators, they really grilled her and, and talked about her lack of experience when it comes to uh, grade school, uh, uh, K through 12, and the fact that she's also been advocating for... 
controversial voucher programs. Right. Right. So and also um, we'll get into that. And she's also she also worked with Cory Booker on that um, in New Jersey. So the fact of the matter is, is this the person that we want running our education in America? So um, I wanted to, to start off by opening up to the panel and also to your calls about, you know, we're going to be talking about a number of different nominees who um, uh, were being grilled over the past week, week and a half on the Senate, at the Senate, and why they would probably be extremely dangerous to our country. So, you know, we're starting with Betsy DeVos. Yeah. I definitely want to get your take on that. Um, Jackie, what feedback did you have while watching her confirmation hearings, and why do you think she would be dangerous? I think she would be extremely dangerous for education, especially for students with disabilities. Um, she was asked during her confirmation hearing, do you think that the federal government should step in and protect and provide protections for students who are being discriminated against or being provided inadequate education um, because they have a disability. And she said that is something that is best left up to states to figure out um, that the the federal government should not intervene with that education. And when she was sort of pushed on that and, you know, the senators asked, so does that mean that if if a state is providing inadequate education to a student with disabilities, the only options for that parent are to move to a different state. And she just reiterated that's an issue best left up to the states to figure out. And then she it was sort of called upon her to to um, address the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, which is a federal law that that requires federal protection for these students. Um, It requires under the federal law that states provide adequate education to students with disabilities. And she sort of like retracted her statements and said, oh, no, 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 then of course we would uphold the federal law. But I think that this is a clear example of the threat that specifically students with disabilities are under, but an overall issue that this is a Secretary of Education that does not understand the federal law. The federal law that we understand, she doesn't even know. And that's a huge issue. And what else is she unable to to speak on um, when it comes to education, federal education laws? Well, guys, do you remember that show, Two Guys, a Girl in a Pizza Place? Yeah. I feel like this confirmation should be called Ignorant White People in a Trash Uncle Tom. <laughs> because that's really what it is. Betsy DeVos obviously doesn't know federal laws. And when you t- Selena mentioned the, the voucher system before, and I want to talk about that, what that actually means. So it means taking money out of public schools, traditional public schools, and putting them into charter schools, which in theory is not necessarily a bad idea because charters are public schools. But the problem we're facing is a lot of private organizations without the best intentions are creating charter schools, and they hire teachers who don't have union protection so they can be mm-hmm. fired. And they they coach out kids who need extra help, and they don't really care about those high-risk students at all. They're only there to look good. But the worst thing about that is she doesn't even want to put money into them. She wants to put money in a whole bunch of Christian schools and not require them, not and make it so that they don't they don't have to fit the same requirements as public schools, which means they don't have to teach you math or reading or accurate history. They can teach you all about God, and the government will pay for that, even though we have separation of church and state. And that's not to say that every religious school is bad, because there are great religious schools, but the kinds that she wants are not. Um, I do understand that we have a caller on the line. We have Betty who would like to let her voice be heard. Good afternoon, Betty. What are your thoughts on the confirmation hearings that have been going down? and Or do you have some thoughts on Betsy DeVos? DeVos. Hey, it's Bianca. Oh, my. One thing to sound off on Betsy. I just call her Betty for some reason. I'm sorry, Bianca. Stanley told me the caller was Betty. Sorry, I was thinking about Betty with the bad confirmation. I call her Betty because she's just ugly Betty. Something's wrong with her, Miss Betsy. I want to sound off on Betsy. Go ahead. Yeah, so basically I just 
first of all, I don't understand because I work closely with education how in the world she was nominated for this position because she's literally shooting and depriving all the rights of equal education for everybody. Um, she, she doesn't even have an ounce of experience working in school, let alone her children didn't even attend public school. So the fact that she's sounding off and, and, and representing the whole entire state of or world or country of education is just like I, I have no words, literally. Thank you yeah. so much, Bianca, for calling in and letting your voice be heard. I think that we share the same concerns, especially as somebody who you know, who works in education. Um, um, you know, I, I appreciate you calling in. And if anybody else has a comment they would like to make, the number is 212-650-6903. I think I completely agree with Bianca's statements. I think that people are really concerned. I mean, this is not even just a level of fear about the state of our country but this is like the lives of our children that are at risk and that's you know really i mean i think i've seen the strongest reactions um to um devos's senate confirmation hearings than to any of the other um candidates for uh donald trump's uh, cabinet sorry no, no, no. Th- that's absolutely right. And I definitely wanted to get um, Stanley's take on that, too, because we know that he did work in education um, actively at one point during his career. But, you know, I, I-, I want to say, like, if she is confirmed and it seems like she will be, despite the fact that she lacks all credible experience for this position, what could this mean for our schools and our children, particularly our black and brown boys and girls who may be on the school-to-prison pipeline. So black and brown boys and girls who are on the school-to-prison pipeline can expect their schools to lose a lot of funding because what Betsy DeVos is going to be doing is going to be being very friendly to charter and private schools and and institutions and taking money and resources away from them. So if these schools are losing resources, they either have to get into a charter school, which may or may not be as good because in Michigan, where Betsy comes from and pushes um, charter schools, the charter schools are doing a lot worse than the public schools. Or they had to stay in a school that was already low on resources and watch that school lose even more resources. So that's what we're looking at. So, you know, we talked about Betsy DeVoe and we mentioned the um, just how, like, un- unqualified for the job she was. I brought up a link that, a, a clip that Jackie mentioned talking about Al Franken. So, Jackie, can you give us some background on a conversation Betsy had with um, Al Franken about proficiency? Well, he wanted to know what the difference between proficiency and... Proficiency and growth. And growth. And it was something that he asked her to to um, differentiate between, and she just couldn't do it. He, yeah, so just to clear it up just a little bit, he asked her for her opinion on it, and then she, well, I'll let you guys listen to the clip, and yeah. you can figure out. Uh, cited versus growth. And I would like your, your views on uh, the relative advantage of, measuring, doing assessments, and using them to measure proficiency or to measure growth? Thank you, Senator, for that question. Um, I think if if I'm understanding your question correctly around proficiency, I would would also um, correlate it to competency and mastery so that you, each student is measured according to the um, advancement that they're making in each subject area. Well, that's growth. that's not proficiency. So in other words, the growth they're making is in growth. The proficiency is if an arbitrary reached, if standard. If reached a level, the proficiency is if they've reached a, a like third grade level for reading, et cetera. Is no, I'm talking you? about the debate between proficiency and growth. Yes. And what, what your thoughts are on them. Well, 
I was just asking to clarify then. Well, this is, this is a subject that is, has been debated in the education community for years. Indeed. And I've, I've advocated growth as the chairman and every member of this committee knows because with proficiency, uh, teachers uh, ignore the kids at the top mm -hmm. who are not going to fall below proficiency and they ignore the kid at the bottom who no matter what they do will never get to proficiency. So I've been an advocate of growth. But it surprises me that you don't know this issue. So, guys, that was just Al Franken grilling Betsy DeVos, asking her about her opinions about proficiency over growth. Betsy could not figure out which one was what. So I'll explain to you very quickly what growth is. Growth is, like, how much has your child improved or how much have they learned over the course of a period of time? And, um, like, as compared to where they started, proficiency is, did you hit this grade? So it was more or less a question about standardized testing because right. people, a lot of people in the charter network and in these independent networks, they are really big on standardized testing. And the, one of the big debates within the education reform movement, among the millions of other debates, is whether we should be testing so much because some people feel like when you test so much, you ended up, you teach to the test and not to teach so kids can understand. So Bessie DeVos failed that and Stanley, who has a bachelor's in English and no master's in any kind of education, explained it to you. Selena? Wow. No, to me, I just want to say that that, especially that clip and that part of the confirmation hearing, just really points out to how embarrassing this is. I mean, it, it, watching it is painful, right? Watching these confirmation hearings are so painful, and it's obviously it's obvious that they do not qualify. It's obvious that the only reason they're there is either because they've donated millions of dollars to Republican campaigns, or they're affiliated through nepotism, or you know, it's just these people should not be there. And for Donald Trump to so adamantly promise and say that we're going to drain the swamp and I'm going to I'm going to give the I'm going to give the country back to the people. No, you're giving it to ignorant millionaires and billionaires that do not deserve to run our government. I think the only or only two qualifications for becoming a member of Trump's cabinet is number 1, do you have a lot of money and have you donated a lot of money to Republican causes? And number two, are you interested in disrupting and dismantling the agency that you are going to head? Honestly, I think that's the requirement. Do you want to do away with this agency that you have committed yourself to, to leading? Right. And you know what? Bernie Sanders actually did a great job in grilling Betsy DeVos. She, he actually said in plain English, and I'm paraphrasing, do, he was like, do you know how much money your family has donated to Republicans? And she was like, no. He was like, about $250 million. And she was like, okay. And then he was like, do you think if you weren't a wealthy billionaire that continues to invest and help and advance Republican causes, you would be here? And right. she was like, yes, because I'm an advocate for education. <laughs> and it's just like, what is going on in the state of our country? And again, it's just mind boggling because not only is Donald Trump an imbecile when it comes to government and policy and politics, but he's hiring and nominating people that are just like him, just as ignorant and just as and have self-serving interests that only benefit them and their pockets. No, you're absolutely right. And that's what we're facing right now. So listen, 
along with Rusty DeVos, I don't know if you guys have talked about Scott Pruitt just yet. Not yet. If you have, so I want to bring up Scott Pruitt for you guys right now. Scott Pruitt is up to be the new lead of the Environmental Protection Agency. Scott Pruitt has several lawsuits up against the EPA right now, which is the Environmental Protection Agency, to sue them. And during his confirmation, they asked him, did he know like how many people in his state had asthma? He's in Oklahoma. Now, asthma is a respiratory issue. It is usually impacted and affected or caused by um, just the high high proportions of carbon or other chemicals in the air, which come from things like sewage treatment plants or a lot of um, diesel fuel passing through your neighborhoods or just any other kind of pollutant you can think of. And he could not answer the question. When they asked him what his thoughts were on lead poisoning and water, he said, I did not know that was happening. (gasps) Yes. When they asked him, did he believe that climate change was a real thing? He said, yes, but I think the, the science is still not in 100% on what that actually means. When he talked about President Obama's policies on climate, he felt that they were an overreach and that we should put a stop to some of these things. So Scott Pruitt, a man that does, does not understand lead exposure, which is something huge happening right now in this country, in Flint, Michigan, it's been a thousand plus days they still don't have clean drinking water because their water pipes, their water system has been contaminated by lead and other chemicals. In Newburgh, New York, same thing in newark new jersey the public schools have lead in their waters and and in, in hooksville new york who's falls new york they have also had their water contaminated and now this new epa director if he's a, if he's confirmed is going to come in and have to deal with these water crises and not even understand what's happening it's a disaster i mean let me tell you something i think that in, and it's not just newburgh new york right there i think there was lead elevated lead levels found at taps in almost every county in schools in new york state um, from Rochester down to Long Island, schools have been um, retrofitting their taps for with um, with filters and new pipes because they're finding elevated lead levels in um, schools' taps and drinking water, which is a huge issue. And I think that as a country, we're going to find that we have a lot of aging infrastructure and the issue of lead in drinking water is only going to become worse and worse. And the fact that we are heading into a new administration with an EPA administrator that does not believe that lead contamination is even an issue is horrifying to me. All right. And on that note, we do have to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We will continue this conversation right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. You were the man Breaking every heart that opened till you met me This is Stanley Fritz, and I am here on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, we are talking about the Donald Trump administration confirmation hearings because out of the 600-plus confirmations he has to get done, only two people, actually three people now, have officially been appointed. We were talking about Betsy Devos, then we switched to Scott Pruitt, and now I think we're going to be switching gears again, but I'll throw it to Selena Hill because she's the boss of the mic. Oh, by the way, if you're wondering who Selena is, she's our host and she's also here with Jackie Cohen. Right, so I definitely wanted to talk about Rick Perry, and then we'll talk about Ben Carson, and you know, FYI, we do have a clip from uh, Ben Carson that we'll be playing um, a little later on in the show. So, uh, Rick Perry, who is the former Texas governor he was nominated to be energy secretary um but if you guys remember anything about the 2012 presidential primaries brick perry 
was on stage and he meant to say that he wanted to eliminate this department, yep. but he forgot the name of it. So he drew a blank. He was like, I'm going to eliminate this. And he couldn't remember. Like, that's how, like, disqualified he is to, right, that's to how, run this department. Exactly. That's how disconnected he is from uh, this department that he is being nominated to run. So um, during the confirmation hearings, he actually said that he no longer wants to eliminate the department. Um, <laughs> right. Which is like, He's like, oh, I didn't mean what I said because I now was offered this job. And so <laughs> I take it all back. Uh, no problem. Um, he also vowed to, and I quote, protect all of the science. In the energy department <laughs> from budget cuts. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, and he has uh reversed his position that humans did contribute to climate change. So he's done like a complete 180. Well, let's get a couple of things clear. One, Rick Perry is an idiot. Two, he's an idiot. Three, he's an idiot. And of course, you are wondering. A day before his confirmation hearing, New York Times brought a bombshell report. And of course, New York Times has these passive aggressive, not direct headlines, in which it said Rick Perry may have an uphill climb in running the energy department. Why? Because in the article, it revealed that Rick Perry did not know what the energy department <laughs> did. Yeah, and it he, might be hard. He was surprised to find out that the energy department deals with the nuclear weapons, storing them, refurbishing them, destroying the old ones, and managing all of that apparatus. Rick Perry did not know any of these things, nor has he ever talked about or been informed or educated on the topic. And also, Donald Trump is not really doing a great job of draining the swamp. I mean, this is someone who had two, several... Um, federal indictments against him, he, they were both dropped, but on corruption charges. So this is not really doing a great job of putting in place um, cabinet members who are, you know, Washington outsiders who are really going to change the system. I mean, this is... Uh, yeah. Well, so, <laughs> so this leads me to... Is Donald Trump secretly, but not so secretly, really just trying to destroy America? Because we see what his politics are like, right? And what he talks about. And he's openly nominating people that have absolutely no credentials to this position. Right. Like, Jackie, it's like, so hard for me to wrap my head around it. Why is this happening? Because he has no credentials <laughs> to run the country, and he's doing it. So he probably <laughs> thinks if I can do it, all these other people can do it, too. I mean, this is someone with zero political experience who is the president of the United States of America. So, I mean, it, it is totally in line with his philosophy on running government which is that you, as long as you know you've donated a lot of money and are a really rich person that is your only qualification necessary in running a government agency or being the president of the United States. Speaking of people who have absolutely no credentials for their position, now we will go to a clip from Dr. Ben Carson, who is also nominated um for to um, run HUD, the housing housing and urban development. Yes, so we're going to go to that now. If you are confirmed to lead HUD, you'll be responsible for issuing billions of dollars in grants and loans to help develop housing and provide a lot of housing-related services. Now, housing development is an area in which President-elect Trump and his family have significant business interests. Can you assure me that not a single taxpayer dollar that you give out will financially benefit the president-elect or his family? I can assure you uh, that the things that I do are driven by a sense of morals and values. Oh. And therefore, I will absolutely not play favorites for anyone. Dr. Carson, I 
let me stop right there. I, I'm actually trying to ask a more pointed question, and it's not about your good faith. That's not my concern. My concern is whether or not among the billions of dollars that you will be responsible for handing out in grants and loans, can you just assure us that not one dollar will go to benefit either the president-elect or his family? It will not be my intention to do anything I, to, to benefit any, any American. And that is where we're going to stop. Ben Carson doesn't want to do anything to benefit any Americans. Selena wanted us to play the rest of the clip, but I think we're pretty good stopping here. I think here. we got it. Yeah, Selena? I mean, so what was your reaction? I mean, honestly, I think that Dr. Ben Carson probably stumbled over his words, or maybe he did mean that. I don't know. What was your reaction? I, I don't think he stumbled at all. I think that's exactly what he's going to do, is not do anything to benefit any American. I mean, the the reasoning for... Ben Carson to step into this role of Secretary of Housing and Urban Development is that he lived in government housing um, growing up. He actually up. didn't. He didn't. No. No, he did not. So where is he that? grew up in poverty, but his mother um, made it uh, made it her business to prevent her children from ha- having to live in public housing. Even better, right? <laughs> so this is just someone that has no... Blackity, black, black. Right. It's just... Ugh, there's so many issues with this nomination. Um, and he's someone that... Pre- like, what was the other position that he was requested to uh the health secretary and he yeah. turned that down he because turned that he down because of lack of experience right yeah. so i mean i don't know how he is more experienced and qualified to hold this position but again it's extremely disturbing i don't think we're going to, i think all we're going to see is somebody that dismantles the current state of this agency and i i think he's grossly underqualified well, he argued that because he is a neurosurgeon, um, what he noticed in while practicing medicine is that a lot of people come in with different diseases that are formed because they live in a house that is not as clean or they're... Um, Oh, they're um, subjected to different diseases, whether it's asthma because of pollution. So he was saying that he can connect the dots to medical diseases and housing. Let me jump in on that. So there's one thing right there that I will give him props for. Yeah. Gov- ben Carson is 100% right. Indoor air pollution is a serious thing. So people spend about 10% of their time outside, 90% of their time inside. So indoor air pollution is a serious problem, mm-hmm. especially in low-income neighborhoods and housings where you have leaky pipes, you have rodent infestations, you have asbestos, you have mold, all these things cause health issues, particularly respiratory issues, but that's only one very small component of the Housing and Urban Development Department, and you can really just empower other states to handle that by giving their housing authorities more funding. I, I highly doubt that's what Ben Carson is going to be doing. Uh, so I, I did want to talk about that. We do have a caller on a line. And talking about indoor air pollution, we have a good friend of mine, Kareen, and she would like to let her voice be heard. Kareen? Hey, Stanley. Hey, guys. So glad to call in. This is my first time. Thank you. We appreciate that. Well, um, I just wanted to just chime in. I'm very concerned. You know, I do environmental justice work, but, you know, we're paying attention to these hearings, and the folks that are being nominated are either, I'm sure you guys have said this already, either there to ruin these departments or just totally buy them off to corporations. And with Scott Pruitt and that nomination, I've been paying attention to it. I mean, just... The ties that he has to the fossil fuel industry is crazy, and I don't understand how uh, folks are just ignoring that. Like, all the people in the green space are paying attention to it, but the common day person who is actually watching and paying attention, I think maybe just their 
their their goal to just push this Trump agenda with no fault or whatever is just allowing them to look past some really glaring, strong, just, you know, just examples of corporate um, collusion. And these people are in collusion with these collusion with these companies on purpose, and they're selling off all of the agencies to the betterment of a corporation versus the people. And I'm very, very concerned about it. And unfortunately, the, the Republicans have the vote. You know, a lot of these hearings, they're just for show almost, just to allow the Democrats to, you know, show um, a united front. But they're they're going to get passed. You know? Right. I think that's a great point. And something that's worth noticing or worth calling attention to is that, you know, Chuck Schumer has been very vocal about these nominations and um, his thoughts on them, and they're not, you know, he's not supportive of most of these nominations. But um, the, there is no way for Chuck Schumer to filibuster. There's um, that provision was removed so that you cannot filibuster these appointments. Um, so you can hold up, and I think the Democrats are planning to hold up the process as long as possible just to show, to show I guess, a sign of we're not just going to say yes, okay, even though they're going to get through anyway, but they're going to put up as much of a fight as they can, knowing that they're going to lose and that these are going to be um, the confirmed nominees for uh, Trump's cabinet. But um, it's sort of an interesting Right. Like, I think in a lot of ways, this is for show. I hope that if nothing else, this exposes to anybody, anybody that supported Trump, that he is not going to act in your best best favor, that he's putting in place cabinet members who want to completely dismantle the federal government and wants to enact policies that are harmful to most of Americans. Um, but I do agree. I think that overall, like these, this is it, right? There's no, there's not going to be a fight back and forth. I think the Republicans are going to unanimously, unanimously put these Republican senators will unanimously put these cabinet members into office. Kavina, right? Karina. Where's Karina from? Kavina. No, I, I, I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm sorry. But um, I wanted to t- uh, specifically ask you, um, so you've been actively and watching in and obviously as an activist, um, you're somebody who understands the severity of the people that Donald Trump is nominating. Do you feel do you have somebody that you think is the most dangerous person or do you think they're all bad? Well, they're all bad, but I would say um, the education nominee, is it what's right? Like, Davos, is that her last name? Um, she's pretty dangerous, you know, the privatization of our schools and, you know, some people have a perspective on what's going to happen if, you know, you give too much power and access to folks who are for-profit or charter schools, but that's its own debate, but she does, she's not even an educator. We already, that's the dumbing down, further dumbing down of the education system and, um, we are, we're already trying to undo a lot of the wrongs that happened with the Common Core curriculum and all of that. And so to have someone that's placed there, and she doesn't even know fundamental um, teaching practices, she doesn't understand policy and education, like that's a clear example of them dumbing down our education and just creating a stronger school-to-prison pipeline. And so that's a concern. And then, of course, from an environmental perspective, I would say both Tillerson and Pruitt are a concern because how do you let a CEO of Exxon who has very strong ties to Russia, now become your Secretary of State, with the goal, clearly, of removing these sanctions. For who? Russia. So that's going to, you know, we're selling, it's going to be the Exxon Protection Agency. That's what the EPA might as well become under both Pruitt and um, with Pruitt there and Tillerson as Secretary of State. So I'm really concerned about just how that's going to roll back some of the provisions that President Obama was attempting to to do. I know Stanley knows this. We work a lot of, we put a lot of energy into 
the clean power plan, and they're they're just going to cut that thing up. It's not even going to be a thing. And there are a lot of benefits that could have um, could have you know benefited communities of color in terms of you know, carbon reduction and even just some of the clean energy um, uh, incentive plans that people could have taken advantage of to push. Um, clean energy pro- um, pro- programs and policies. And what we're also seeing on the state level is places like Utah and North Carolina are now putting bills in the state legislature to outlaw wind and solar. You know what I mean? Like, this is a concerted effort to give fossil fuel companies and the Koch brothers. They're giving those people the power to continue to push an agenda that is going to end. Like, coal is not something that's eternal. Like, there are limited amounts of it. The industry is already failing. But if they make the transition, their bottom line is affected. Thank, thank you so much, Kareen. We definitely appreciate that. We stand with you. And we thank yeah. you so much for just pointing out some of the atrocities that are happening right under our noses in front of our eyes. And, Stanley, you were back here cursing off air. What got your attention? Well, so right now, there are more jobs in solar energy than there is in oil. Yeah. So by these states outlawing wind and solar energy, they are outlawing. Yes, that's what she just said. They're passing bills to ban it yeah. in their states. They are literally yeah. kneecapping their economies. Do you know what's happening in New York State right now? Homeowners, listen right now, because in New York State, you can get a low interest loan, or you can get a huge tax return rebate back if you put solar panels on your roof. And that's not all. Here's the gag: solar energy is so effective that you will collect so much energy from that that the Electric company, thank you. You will profit. Your electric company will start using the energy to power other um, houses, and they will pay you, which means you effectively eliminate your electric bill and add a couple of dollars in every month. And Utah and and Ohio want to outlaw that. That is called aggressive stupidity. (laughs) But we need. I need someone who knows how to read and who is smart. Please, Alyssa, can you magically be on air holding, Alyssa? (laughs) Oh my God! What a miracle! You've been summoned. Well, I have a few quick things I want to add to that, um, which is, number one, you know, this issue of pay-to-play, which Jackie touched upon, all these people getting these jobs, is the exact same thing that they went after Hillary for, claiming that it was pay-to-play in the foundation. So it's a level of hypocrisy in all of it. Number two, I think climate change is one of the biggest issues that we are facing moving forward in this country today. And I think the fact that Scott Pruitt has been nominated when he has gone after all of these environmental issues is not just a problem for us right now, but it's a problem for our children and our children's children because climate change is an issue that if we don't deal with now, it's going to be too late. So I think, you know, as much as problematic as Betsy DeVos' nomination is, I think Scott Pruitt's nomination and Rex Tillerson's nominations are probably the worst two nominations out there. Last but not least, as Jackie mentioned, there is no filibuster anymore. That does not mean that Senate Democrats cannot convince one, two, or three Republicans that are moderates to come over and vote against these nominees. Remember, the Senate is pretty evenly split. The Republican Party has 52 senators, if I'm not mistaken, which means if they can convince like I said, a handful of senators to vote against these nominations, then they can block them. And that's what I think that they should be working hard at doing, convincing those middle-of-the-road moderate senators, hey, come join us, let's block these nominations. Thank yeah. you so much, Alyssa. We definitely appreciate you calling in from the road to let your voice be heard. I just wanted to wrap this segment up by saying, guys, you, you know, Stanley said it best, just to quote him, this is aggressive stupidity. The things that these um, 
nominees want to do, uh, their backgrounds, their lack of experience, their ties to billionaires, their ties to the Republican Party. I mean, it could not be any more detrimental and transparent. I mean, one thing that, you know, especially us as progressive are always pleading for is transparency. You know, we see it. We see who they are. They're not even shy about it. Neither is Donald Trump. I mean, like, he was like, yeah, I talked about sexually assaulting women. And what? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's their attitude towards things. They want to aggressively gut our education. They want to take away solar and wind power. They want to do things that would hurt local economies and basically hurt our pockets. I mean, here's the thing. I know if you're probably listening to the show, you probably didn't vote for Donald Trump, but maybe you know someone who did. Maybe you see these people on Twitter. Maybe it's time for us, the people that know better, to do much more. I mean, that's the only way to stop this thing. When I went to the March on Washington last week with uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, one thing he said that really stuck out to me, he said, you know what? This is not just a march. We're going to start taking action. We're going to start making some calls to the House, to the Senate, and we're going to start letting these Democrats know if you don't get a backbone, you won't have a job. So that's our job. It's our job to call our elected officials and tell them you better get up there and fight Mm -hmm. or else our lives are on the line. You're fired. <laughs> on that note, we do have to take a quick break. When Stanley comes back, he's going directly into a rant about quote unquote black sellouts. DJ Pat him down, count the money, let him see the work. Yeah, that's the definition of a major key alert. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. This is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Jackie Cohen, and of course, Ashnet on the internet with the white phone cover holding it down on deck. And I want to have a conversation about some folk who decided that they would like to meet with Mr. Donald Trump, the new president of the United States of America. I'm not going to say he's not my president because he is my president because I live in the United States of America and he's a president of that. So I can't really argue on those merits. Now, a lot of people have been getting flack for meeting with or singing for or having conversations with Donald Trump. And particularly people are the Kanye West, Mike Tyson, Steve Harvey's and Cassette Michelle, who said that she would sing at his inauguration. Did she sing? I don't know. I didn't support that crap. And people have been calling them sellouts to their people. They've been calling them Uncle Tom's. They've been calling them ridiculous. And then another group of people have said, well, what's wrong with the black person meeting with Donald Trump if they're trying to make a difference, if they're trying to make a change? What's wrong with that? So I'll put it very simply. If I was president of the United States of America, president of everything over here, if I was ruling this country now and I was the new leader and I was having issues with the Jewish community, not the the Jewish community, let's, let's do it better, and I was having issues with the white community and I wanted to solve those issues, would I schedule a meeting with Miley Cyrus? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would, does does that make sense? Like, would, would I schedule a meeting with Bon Jovi? Would I schedule a meeting with Three Doors Down? No, I would not. I would not schedule a meeting with Ronda Rousey because there's white-on-white crime at 84% and counting. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't schedule a meeting with, I don't know, the Beach Boys because... 
that white people are getting shot a lot at a higher rate than black people. I wouldn't do that because those people, although they are, you know, well-deserving white people who make average music like most white people, they don't know the issues. They don't have an expertise in it. They don't have a skill set in it, and they can't really offer me anything. And also, if I were meeting with these people to, like, make actual change, I would not then end the conversations by taking a picture with them, having them say I'm a good guy, and then walk away. So now let me tell you something about whiteness and about white supremacy in particular. When you have garbage white people in the forefront and they hate your blackness and your womanness and your gayness and your litness so much, what they will do to verify themselves is to stand with someone there so that they can be legitimized. So they will pick someone. Let's say, let's call them a token. A token person who doesn't mind standing next to them and they'll go, look, look at my black friend. Look at my woman friend. Look at my gay friend. They don't think I'm horrible. I'm not horrible. And while they're standing there, Taking those Instagram pictures and they're digging that knife into your back. They're thinking, I can't wait to get away from this expletive, whatever it is. And that's what Donald Trump is doing with these people. And now some people make the argument of, well, Martin Luther King met with LBJ. Martin Luther King met with people who didn't necessarily agree with him. So first of all, Donald Trump, LBJ, two different presidents. One was great and one had the war on poverty and made a huge mistake by perpetuating perpetuating the Vietnam War. The other one dodged the Vietnam War and the draft and is an idiot and shouldn't be president. So those are two very different things. That's one. Two, one of the things that Dr. King did was when he had a meeting with an elected official, when he had a meeting with one of these leaders, he went in there with a... A platform B demands C other people who knew what they were talking about who could provide useful information and once again D he walked out he didn't take pictures he didn't shake hands he didn't post one for the gram what he said was we had a conversation it may or may not have been productive but until we see a B and C we would not know if we can endorse this man what does Steve Harvey know about black on black crime if that's even a problem in our world what does Kanye West know about the war on drugs what does Steve Harvey know about criminal justice reform form nothing at all because donald trump doesn't want to talk to people who know things about these things he wants to talk about the people who tap dance and sing and maybe act but don't give a damn or a thought about these issues and if he really did he would come out and he would say we talked about this and we're going to do this that has not happened no black person that donald trump has had a conversation with since he was elected has come out of that meeting and said we have a plan for criminal justice reform we have a plan to raise the age we have a plan to deal with poverty we have a plan to deal with these hbcus who are closing because they don't have enough funding they're not doing that because donald trump doesn't give a damn so to say that these people are going up to talk to trump to make change to have an open mind is a joke and if you go up there knowing not what you talk about and you comment on how great of a guy he is but you don't talk about the issues affecting black men black women black trans black lgbtq people and you walk out of there with a couple of instagram posts and a couple of likes and a nice shirt and you feel good about yourself you sir or ma'am are nothing but a hot steaming pile of uncle tom back licking boot sucking sell out to your own race and i don't really want to hear anything you have to say because you're all about the grams you're all about the posts you're all about the likes you're all about the looking different while a white supremacist looks to destroy this country you get no respect talk to me trump when you've had a conversation with the ray mickinson when you had a conversation with sean king when you had a real conversation with president barack obama my president is black my lambos too i don't mess with uncle Tom's, and neither should you when you have a conversation with the black lives matter movement and you walk out of that meeting with a hardcore plan to address issues not to 
deport illegal immigrants, not to create more tax cuts for big businesses, but to address black issues. When you do that, maybe we can have a conversation. And until then, I don't mess with the orange man. I don't bang with the orange man. And if you mess with him, you can go wherever Stacey Dash is looking for a job right now. The Negro sellout unemployment line. There are about two spaces to find work. Fox News and a tap dance stage. We out of here. Ooh, and on that note, <laughs> Stanley just dropped the mic. Tell us how you really feel about black yes, sellouts. Yes. Stanley did a great job in articulating the argument to why it is not helpful when Chrisette Michelle or Steve Harvey or Kanye West meets with uh, Trump, Donald Trump at Trump Towers to take pictures. Thank you, Stanley, for that. On that note, we want to thank everyone who called in to let your voice be heard today, who listened, who tweeted us. We appreciate all the commentary and all the love. We do have to go but you can hit us up on iTunes at Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. Check out our website, lyvbh.com. We'll see you next Sunday, God willing.